Hello, hockey fans. Welcome once again to the Vegas Hockey Podcast. We've got a great show lined up for today. Jeff Duarte from Cali Sports News, their NHL editor, is joining us. He covers the Los Angeles Kings exclusively, and we're going to be looking more into the Golden Knights LA Kings series. First, Chris and I are going to break the ice, go around the league, look at the the rest of the playoff matchups and, and see how they're faring. So we'll be right back. All right, hockey fans, if you were up late last night watching the Golden Knights and Los Angeles Kings play their double overtime thriller in Las Vegas, thank you for getting up and joining us. We appreciate it very much. As always, you guys, if you're listening, you know where to find us. Spread the word. We're on iTunes, SoundCloud, Russ Cohen Sportsology, SoundCloud page, Grandstand Sportsnet, and thehockeywriters.com, and anywhere podcasts are sold. We're on Google Play. Anywhere around the net, you can find the Vegas Hockey Podcast. I am Mark Warner along with Chris Lisa out on Long Island. He got to sleep in a little bit later than I did this morning. Chris, good day to you, sir. Good day to you. Uh, yeah, that was uh, some game last night, huh? Yeah, not uh, not too shabby again being a Kings fan and a Knights fan. It was a little conflicting. I was hoping for uh, yeah. maybe a Knights-Ducks, Knights-Sharks first round, and, and then when you get to the second round, you let the chips fall where they may. But uh, kind of conflicted in this series. It's been really good hockey, old school, physical, over 125 hits in both games. Uh, double overtime last night. The Knights were able to get it on an Eric Holla goal with five minutes left in the second overtime. Um, goaltending matchup delight for people that like defensive hockey and great goaltending in their playoffs. This is the series for you. Um, but yeah, ed- your seat hockey last night at T-Mobile for sure, sir. Yeah, so we'll save that when JD comes on. I guess a good starting point in segment one, we'll talk a little, uh, you know, Flores bounce back and the Caps, uh, the Capitals coughing up game one. But when we start with the NHL yesterday coming down with a three-game suspension on Kadri of the Leafs, uh, you know, you know my take on on these things. Um, uh, hits the head. Uh, I, I don't want to see, you know, I like to see physical play, uh, good, clean physical play. Uh, sure. But we got to be smarter about hits to the head and to say that Tommy Wiggins was in a vulnerable position, I think, I think it's kind of putting it mildly. And um, I think it's pretty clear that the NHL has sent a message uh, this week with the, I know we'll get into the Dowdy thing, uh, suspension uh, in more detail later on, but between uh, Drew Dowdy getting suspended for a game and, and Contry getting suspended for three games, basically a half a series, I think they've sent a, a message to all the players in the league uh, about, it's the head, and, and I actually uh, applaud him for that. Yeah, for sure. I was watching the game, and um, about you know four minutes before Kadri hit him when he was down against the boards, he he had taken a two-minute boarding penalty against Tommy Wingles in the opposite end of the ice behind the net. Um, the announcers I was listening to, I'm not even sure which one it was, but an egregious boarding call. And I thought on the first penalty that Kadri had caught shoulder um, certainly, he caught a lot of the the left side number as as he went into the boards, um, but it wasn't 
you know, a straight up front to back hit. I thought there was a little shoulder there. Um, but he got two minutes for that. And then uh, like Cadre's next shift. And I didn't see too many people talking about this, but, uh, Chara was engaged with Marner along the boards and, uh, just went blank. Um, Wingles came in, maybe still salty from getting boarded earlier in, in, in the game. But, uh, I thought left his feet, elevated his elbows and planted one right along Marner's chin, um, which seemed to daze Marner a little bit. And in that scrum with Chara, Marner and Wingles, Wingles going down, uh, I gotta feel like, like Kadri saw that and was coming to the aid of his teammates because I didn't like the Wingles hit on Marner at all and committed to the hit as Wingles was going down to the ice and it's pretty ugly. I mean, no question about it. At first look, you could, you could make a, a case. I thought five games maybe for Kadri in regular season, that might have been um, a five game. I think Kadri is already in, you know, the 18 month protocol of being a repeat offender. I'm, I'm not sure about that, but I think I remember Kadri getting suspended before. Um, so yeah, no, no problem with the three game suspension. I am, I've always disliked um, putting putting suspensions on hold because it is the playoffs, and especially with blows to the head and cheap shots. Um, if it deserves a suspension and the letter of the law says a blow to the head is a suspension, then I don't – I. You know, I don't care if it's in the playoffs. I don't care if it's in the regular season. I don't care if it's in the preseason. Um, dirty hits are dirty hits. And I, 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 when I first saw it, I was watching it. I'm like, oh, that's a five-gamer when I was watching the, the Toronto-Boston. Um, but in the replays, I'm seeing uh, Wingles uh, go after Marner's head, and they didn't give him a uh, – you know, the, the player safety office looked at that video – every which way from Sunday. And I was surprised that Wingles did not also get a hearing for the same play because it was clearly an elbow to the head and he elevated, elevated his arms and extended his arms. You know, those are like the three things that the the player safety says they look at uh, when determining intent of a hit. And it looked as, as if, and, and also if a player is already engaged with another player that is defining the, defenseless position, so to speak. Um, and Char certainly had Marner tied up. And with Wingles elevating, bringing his elbows up, uh, and targeting the head, I thought I was expecting Wingles to also get a phone call and maybe a fine. Or I don't think maybe one game, too, because Char was engaging him. But definitely I don't have a problem with the Cadre suspension at all. That was it was It was ugly looking. It was a bang-bang play. Um, I think the optics of it may be a little worse than, than what it was because he didn't fully get him against against the boards. And, you know, I'm not sure. Do you know if, if Wingles remained in the game? You know, I'm not sure. I'm not sure about Because that. that's also um, something that they look at is whether an injury was uh, sustained by the player. I know he was attended to on the ice, but I, I didn't notice right. whether he came back. That was towards the end of the game anyway. So, um, anyway... Yeah, as far as far as the game goes, Boston looks like they were well in hand and they did score on the major 
and the game misconduct power play um, put it out of reach. So uh, we both took Boston in this series. I did say Toronto would be my dark horse, and I, I expect him to come come out fired up after after that, much the same way uh, Philadelphia came with a response. And kudos to Philly um, for responding after an opening night seven nothing shellacking at the hands of your defending champion, two-time defending champion Pittsburgh Penguins. Um, and step up and really put a whooping back on the Penguins in, in a 5-1 victory also. What do you see in, in that series, Chris? Well, I mean, on paper, uh, the matchups is very favorable for the Penguins, as we talked about last week. But and the Flyers have really been a team these last couple of years that have totally overachieved. I, I know they have some good young talent, and they have, you know, Claude Giroux, and they have Voracek. I mean, don't get me wrong, they have players. But um, that, that's game to me just exemplifies how much the Flyers have been about in terms of overachieving uh, these last couple of years. To get beat up like that uh, looked like everyone saying, wow, it's a runaway series, you know. And for the Flyers to... to, to On the road. Now, on the road, no less. So, I mean, what I'm hoping for here is the Flyers get one at home, and we have uh, you know, best of three going back to Philly. Uh, going back to Pittsburgh, and and at that point they they put maybe put a little scare into the Penguins, but um, uh, but on paper in terms of the matchup, uh, you know the Flyer goaltending against that Pittsburgh machine, the Pittsburgh power play against the PK of the Flyers, which has uh, struggled throughout the year, one of the worst in the league. Um, I, I I find it hard to believe that we'll see a game seven. Uh, I picked the Pens and six in this series, so uh, I th- I think it will be a tough six. But you know they're going to make them work. Uh, for I sure, for sure. Uh, yeah. So uh, good kudos. You know, at first after that first game one, after they I was expecting the Flyers winning game one, but after that first game, I said, well, I don't know, maybe I was wrong about them making them work. But uh, right. Yeah, that, well, speaking of that, that Pittsburgh power play, if Philly wants to. Uh, be you know make a series out of it and i think they already have they they need to do better job at staying out of the out of the box for sure because they had 20 penalty minutes 12 penalties in that game um called overall between pittsburgh and philly so if philly can clean that up at home and if you look at the goal scorers in this uh, is overachieving with the young guns just like you were saying chris it's a good point couturier gets one but gossip spear gets one Travis Konecki gets one. Nolan Patrick gets one. Um, so the young guns stepping up. Not you know you might think after that game one debacle that uh, the young guns wouldn't you know it, it's tough to respond in the playoffs to something like that. So it it does bode well for Philly that those those three guys step up. Gossespier opens the scoring, and then uh, Couturier who's having a, had a great game with goal and two assists. Um, in the second period, makes it two nothing. But then Konechny and Patrick back to back four nothing in the third. That pretty much put it out of hand. So it's a good sign for Philly fans that that the young guns weren't intimidated. They they didn't back off. They came out, played their game, played a physical brand. Maybe a little too physical. You got to uh, you got to cut down on your time in the penalty box and keep that power play off the ice. But uh, you know if, if they come home and get game three, you sure got a series 
uh, in what looked maybe to be one-sided as we were looking at it last week, Chris. I think uh, that's must-see TV here the next couple days is keeping tabs on that series. Absolutely. And then I want to get to the Cavs uh, game one. And, uh, you know, I expect a long series here, but boy, oh, boy, I feel like coughed up is the right phrase because I watched that, saw that third period in position. They're up 3-2 over the Blue Jackets. Uh, they take Knetsov takes a terrible penalty. I <laughs> about eight minutes to go, what about eight minutes to go. They kill that off, so they get they they escape. Usually, you, you do something like that, and it, especially in the playoffs, it, against a good team, it's going to come back to burn you. And then I think it was for for I'm going to put his name Burkowski, not Burkowski. Uh, Burkowski. Uh, what's the other? Burkowski. Thank you, sir. And he takes a terrible penalty. About three minutes later, in the offensive zone, no less, and then yeah. and then they have to kill another penalty uh, on a play which they had two chances to clear it out of the zone, failed on both occasions, and then you know set, and then basically Panarin sets up Seth Jones where Grubauer is just uh, in a beyond a vulnerable position, and where Seth Jones put the puck, he had no chance whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, and then we head to overtime, and Panarin makes an incredible play. And the Jackets, if I was a Jackets fan, I would feel like, you know, we we kind of stole game one there. We were fortunate. Sure. Uh, even, though the, even though they were pushing in the third period, um, you know, it wasn't, like they, it wasn't like they forced those penalties by being all over them in the third period. And, and the Cavs had to, uh, had to take those penalties uh uh, from the standpoint of uh, they were controlling play and things of that nature, constantly out of the puck. I mean, those were two terrible. You just can't do that kind of stuff. So we'll see. You know, obviously game two, you know, when a home team loses game one, uh, it's, a game two, it's a big, is a must win, if you will. You don't want to go down. I think so. One thing to go down uh, 0-2 and you're going home, but to go down 0-2 and go on the road. So, Big game for the yeah. for the Caps, uh, the bounce back. I like I said, I expected this to be a long series, uh, and I take the Caps to win this series. I still think they will, but that was an unlike. That was not something I would expect from the Caps to do and a Barry Trotz team to do. Right, two things on that real quick before. Uh... Jeff jo- joins us here on the Vegas Hockey Podcast. Um, number one, the one thing that I was worried about in this series as far as Washington was concerned, and, and if you recall last week we were talking about this series, I said the one thing I'm worried about is that the Capitals down the stretch seem to be unsettled in goal. And they did go with Grubauer to start putting the Vesna Trophy winning Braden Holtby on the bench. Um, just got a text from Jeff here. And and I think, I mean, like you said, he didn't have a chance on the game winner in overtime. Or the game tire. But, or the game the tire. So what, oh, what a, yeah, what a game Seth Jones had. Yeah, but, and then, uh, Jeff, I lost my train of thought there on Jeff, but uh, the, it, it, no, on the goal when tending. you, okay, here we go, here we go, yeah. So, you also made the point of if you're down two nothing and going on the road, it's like a death knell in a playoff series. And if you go back uh, 2012, the Kings going as an eight seed, they open the first 
three series, winning both games on the road and then winning game three at home. So in all three series, the Kings are up three nothing. It's basically over at that point. They uh, the only team in the playoffs in 2012 that got game three was uh, mm, I want to say the Devils. I'm not sure. I'd have to go back and look at that. But uh, I'm, I'm sure Jeff will be able to let jog my memory on that one. But yeah, if Columbus can go in there and get game two, I say the Washington Capitals are in a lot of trouble. So. Oh yeah, obviously I expect the Caps. So like I said, I I I thought that was a six-game series at minimum. So I mean, and I I would say that that's probably of looking at of all the series, that's the best bet for a series to go seven. Um, well, Jeff, Jeff's joining cast. us now on the Vegas Hockey Podcast. Let me go ahead and welcome in Jeff Duart, NHL editor at Cali Sports News. Uh, you follow him on Twitter at Jeff Duart, D-U-A-R-T-E underscore. Um, Jeff, well, you got to sleep in. Uh, you're coming at us from Toronto, so I know you got to sleep in a little bit after the longest game in L.A. Kings history and Vegas Golden Knights history, obviously. Welcome to the show, sir. Thanks, Mark. Hey, Mark, Chris, thanks for having me on. And to be honest, I didn't get to sleep in at all. I think I only had like two hours of sleep from the game, the longevity of the game. Um, and then we were supposed to have a show last night on LA Kings Road Talk Radio. And then we were having uh, technical difficulties with Block Talk Radio. So we were trying uh, to get that surprise, set up surprise. and then had to cancel the show. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what happens when you go live, right? Crazy yeah, things no happen, about, and uh, no I I was still fueled uh, from that game. Just the adrenaline alone, I could not sleep. So I actually only ended up plus. Oh yeah, plus you know I had to prepare for this show, but I also had to write the game recap for Kelly Sports News as well, which is still not completed because there's so much to say. Um, yeah. That yeah, I'm only on two hours sleep, so you might not get the normal energetic uh, JD Styles. But uh, thanks for having me on. You, know, you guys know how much I love coming on here. Yeah, we appreciate your time, sir. We really do. What It, it was about 2.30, I guess, back there when the game ended last night, right? It was pretty close to – yeah, it was at the twos <laughs> by then. But yeah, I think I was hallucinating by that point. But it was definitely well, uh, in the twos from a bit before 2.30. Um, but, yeah, it, it was pretty late. One couldn't blame uh, Jonathan Quick if he was hallucinating by that time. Not only is it a playoff career high, but a personal career best 54-save effort from Jonathan Quick. Really the only reason, and I'm going to say it, that the Kings are in, well, they're down 2 nothing, but it seems a lot closer than that. And I think the only reason, that Jonathan Quick's been the Kings' best player by far. Um, I, you could go down from a lot of different reasons. And Jeff, I'll give you my take on, on what I've seen, especially last night, even more so. Um, the the Vegas Golden Knights speed is taking over the series. When the Kings dump the puck in, the Knights are the first ones there. They get it up, get it out, and then they get it in deep. When they get it in deep, they are the first ones on the puck in the offensive zone. And by the time the and the, keeping the Kopitar Brown line bottled up, Pearson might have been one of the best players on the ice for the Kings last night. 
um, but keeping them bottled up in their own zone. By the time that the Kings can regain possession, and it doesn't even have to be resulting in a scoring chance. It's just the puck possession in the ozone time. The only thing Kopitar can do is skate it out, pass center ice, dump it in, and change. And the the offensive zone possession time of the Golden Knights is keeping the Kings from getting in on the forecheck, which is their game, getting getting puck possession down low and creating creating scoring chances on cutters coming for, you know down the middle and and dishing the puck out from the corner on the cycle. And if the Kings don't come up with an answer to that, um, it's the Vegas, Vegas Golden Knights series to have. Um, let me get your take on that, sir. Uh, first about uh, Jonathan Quick, and you were you mentioned uh, a bit earlier that uh, this is the longest game in Ellie King's playoff history, which is which beats the record that they they had back in Game Five in 2014 of the Stanley Cup Final, where Alec Martinez got the Stanley Cup winning goal. That at the time became the longest playoff game in King's history. Now it's this. Um, so yes. That's historical. Obviously, Vegas it's their longest and their first ever overtime <laughs> playoff win as well. Um, right. But with Jonathan Quick, with 54 saves out of uh, 54 shots, and uh, I believe it's uh, – oh, man, what is it? Oh, I can't think of it right now. Sorry, guys. I'm a little brain dead today. It's to be expected. But, oh, no, 81 no, saves out of 84 shots throughout the whole uh, – so far, just there two games, go. 155 minutes of this postseason, 117 goals against average, and a 964 save percentage, which is absolutely outstanding, but yet 0-2. But, yeah, Quick is the one keeping the Kings in there. It's uh, It was no surprise that Vegas was going to be the quicker team. Everybody knew that going into the series. Really what John Stevens is trying to do with the team here and also doesn't help when you don't have Drew Doughty, your best defenseman in the second game, and you have seven players playing their first ever career playoff game. Speaking of, you know, historical moments, you know, guys that have never played before at, at this intensity and speed where now you got the chip, you know, you got something on the line here, you know, it, it's going to be tough. Um, but still, the Kings are hanging on there, and what Stevens is pretty much doing is what they call parking the bus. I mean, we've all heard, we've all heard about, especially as Kings fans, you know, whoever follows the Kings, Willie Mitchell, he said all the time, uh, you know, park and ride. you want to park and ride. Park and ride, right? But park and ride usually means like you have a, a, a goal, you have a lead. Right, and you park and ride to grind it out to victory. The Kings have had not had that opportunity, and in typical 2017-2018 NHL season fashion, the Kings are still giving up the first goal as they've pretty much done for most of this season. But with Vegas now, you know it's really tough to do. So it's pretty much a complete defensive game by the Kings. They are blocking shots like they're throwing their bodies on the line. And I just want to give a shout out to Trevor Lewis. When Vegas were on the power play in the second overtime, Lewis blocked a shot. He was obviously hurt from the shot. He's hob- he was down, hobbling a one leg. The Kings, in typ- typical Kings fashion, can't clear the zone. So <laughs> Lewis, who also lost his stick, is hobbling out there, still throwing his body in front of shots, trying to block. So, you know, that's, that's what the Kings are doing. Like, they're showing that they're not – you know, it doesn't matter – if uh, you know Vegas is controlling the game possession-wise, it doesn't matter if the, if uh, Vegas is out shooting them by you know large amounts of shots. The Kings are going to fight to the bitter end, and they're going to throw their For bodies sure. on the line. Phaneuf was blocking shots. Uh, Kopitar blocked a shot with his face 
with his face. And if he went down after a shot like that, you know, in the face, everybody would understand because that was a hard puck to the face. Yeah. But he didn't. He stayed standing up and finished his defensive shift. So, yeah, they knew Vegas were going to do that. It's just a matter, matter of trying to hang in there and, and try to, you know, to make something out of nothing. Try, it's going to be small offensive opportunities for the Kings, but they've got to take advantage of it, which they have not been able to do. And for, I'm just going to use two quick examples. And you know what? If I was in the same position, I probably wouldn't score either. And I'm not even close to the level of those guys are. But game one, Dustin Brown pretty much had an open net. Missed. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> right? If that went yeah. in, tie game, maybe a different outcome. We'll, we'll never know. And this game, Dustin Brown was in Gretzky's office and set up Kopitar perfectly in the slot. And it's Kopitar and Fleury. And Fleury's a bit out of position. And Kopitar shoots wide. You're yeah, in the that was, slot. That That's got to go in the net. You know? Kopitar but buries that. That's hockey, seven too. Out of ten times. Yep. He buries that about yeah. seven out of and, and, and that could it's, have changed the course of the game. Maybe it wouldn't. We'll never know. But, yeah, Quick is – that's why the LA Kings have kept Johnson Quick all these years. And I get really frustrated by some Kings fans, uh, a lot of people who live up here who are Toronto Maple Leaf, Montreal fans, or even, you know, uh, people that I know that are Duck fans that keep saying, why did you give up a Jonathan Bernier? Why did you give up a Martin Jones? Why did you trade away – Ben Bishop, why did you trade away Darcy Kemper? Do you know why we did that? Or not we, because I'm not part of the team. Because we have Jonathan Quick, and look at how, he, how he's played the last two games. Just watch how he played last night. That the Kings were, like, you know, should not have been in that game if it wasn't for Jonathan Quick making save after save after save. That's why uh, Quick is one of the best goalies that you can have in the playoffs. And that's why he's a my Trophy winner and two-time Jenny's Trophy winner. It's all Quick. And he is you know, the heart and soul and the MVP of the Los Angeles Kings. Next to Dowdy Cooper. <laughs> we uh we talked on your podcast about six weeks ago and we talked about the Kings in inconsistency this season. And from the home and home against the Golden Knights, the Kings did not win back to back games until the last week of the season, which is over five weeks. Much has been said in the media about and and it, it was really pretty surprising to me and and if you remember I I I hated to do it but I had to say that I thought the Knights would win a playoff series against the Kings the way the Kings were playing at that time. Um, yep. But the, as far as the media goes, most people had the Kings winning the series based on their previous experience. My point to you at that time and my question for you now, you mentioned that there were seven players in the lineup making their playoff debut. The Kings have regularly been dressing 10 players that were not with the team last season. And and, and I mean in a full-time capacity, I'm going to include Adrian Kempe in that. Um, there's only eight players left on the roster from the 2012 team. How much is the inexperience overriding the experience or is it vice versa and and let's leave Jonathan quick out of this because we know what he's doing in the series right now he's 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 on his head he's in playing maybe some of the best goals he's played in his career um but on the game-winning goal last night in overtime when uh James Neal and Eric Holla crisscrossed at the blue line to, for his own entry and just ironically enough it was Kevin Gravel uh, replacing Drew Doughty, and I want to get, I want to let Chris get into the uh, Drew Doughty suspension with you here in a minute, and get your thoughts on that. 
but it was Kevin Gravel who circ- did not pick up the crisscross in Eric Halla, but there was already two Kings players covering James Neal in the middle of the ice, and Gravel turned the wrong way to cover James Neal, giving Eric Halla way too much space, causing Kyle Clifford to try and get back and get a stake on Eric Halla. And before Gravel could cover, there was a deke, there was a five-hole, and that was the ball game. Um, how how much can the Kings experience that a lot of the media has been relying on to get the Kings past this game Golden Knights team? Can they rely on in game three to get them over the hump? And is this still a series? Uh, it's definitely still a series uh, because, you know, still these games have only been one-goal games. Despite the shots, despite all that other stuff, King's still dominant in the face-off dot and other things. They're blocking. They're doing what they need to do to stay in the games. Uh, but as far as the kids, yeah, Gravel, uh, you know, missed his mark there. They're in double overtime. That was his first ever career NHL playoff goal. So you got the jitters. You don't have the experience. Probably getting fatigued. Everyone's getting fatigued at that point. And you know what? It happens. Like, you're getting close yeah. to the end of the second overtime period. Um, you know, it happens. The way I look at it is like Kevin Gravel wouldn't even be playing if Dowdy wasn't suspended because he's a guy who replaced Drew Dowdy on the thing. And then right. maybe that would have Dowdy changed that play. game, right? So Dowdy, Dowdy makes that play without a doubt. No question. No yeah, question. With, without a doubt. So, but um, what, do you do? Ironic. what do you do? To be honest. Sorry. Oh, go ahead, sir. No, I was just going to say that I didn't even get to see, like, replays. Uh, I did see it this morning, um, replays of that winning goal, like, the way that it happened. And I don't know if I was already, like, because, like you said, it was, like, two-something in the morning here. I'm so, I, I have five pages of notes on the game that I wanted to talk about uh, for our show and as well as this show here with you guys that uh, once, the, uh, once I saw the puck go through uh, Quick's legs and into the net, like, I was screaming bloody murder because I thought James Neal was offside. Because I saw his skates go over the blue line, I thought. His, his, skates, his skates went over the blue line before the puck. So, like, I'm ready to rant and rave on the show and whatever. I didn't really have time to uh, relook at it until this morning where, in fact, no, I don't think he was offside now. Um, because you can uh, – how does it go with the, with the NHL? So, yeah, players just should be offside if both of their skates completely cross the blue line, dividing the offensive zone and the neutral zone, obviously, before the puck makes contact with the same line. That seemed to be fine. Uh, it was just that his skates went over into, you know, uh, past the blue line while the puck was still on the blue line, but that's okay the way at least that the right. NHL have their rules. They just looked weird at the moment because it's also the heat of the moment, and I'm hallucinating sure. because Oscar Fattenberg, <laughs> I thought, was Drew Doughty in disguise. You know, the way things were he was playing, like he was Drew Doughty. He had such an outstanding yeah. game. So when I looked at yeah, it now, it's like, you know, if Neil, if Neil had control of the puck, which he did, then it's actually not offside. So it's, it actually wasn't offside. But at the time, at the heat of the moment, didn't have, I didn't have a replay on because I was watching on television, had Hockey Night in Canada's uh, broadcast of it. So I was screaming bloody murder that the refs were like, didn't pick up on the offside. Now that I saw it, I'm like, no, nah, they didn't do it. But So I didn't really get a good look at Kevin Gravel. But he, like, it's double overtime. He's a rookie. Uh, this is his first ever career playoff game. And he's in, like, he's playing, like, this is a heavyweight title fight. And if, if you know, I, I do a lot of comparisons to boxing and mixed martial arts. That's my background. Um, so if this is a, a boxing fight, these are two heavyweights 
going for it toe-to-toe. One heavyweight is just quicker at the punch, you know, just quicker at the punch, but the guy he's punching is, is not going down. Right. Of course, that's the Kings. So when you're going toe to toe like that, like eventually a mistake is going to cost you. But I'm not going to be too hard on Gravel because overall, I thought he played fine. Uh, and the other kids like uh, Paul Ledoux got his first ever career NHL, uh, NHL playoff goal. Michael Badio got his first ever NHL playoff point in his first ever NHL playoff game. And Oscar Fattenberg, though, who is an experienced player playing up in uh, Sweden, uh, he was playing so outstanding last night that I'm not sure if it actually is. I'm thinking conspiracy theory now. I don't actually know if it is Oscar Fattenberg or if it was Drew Doughty in disguise in a, in a mask pretending to be Oscar Fattenberg. You got to check his teeth, people. You got to check his teeth because Fattenberg, I think, has dental teeth. Records. If he has no teeth, yeah, dental records. But, you know, he was fantastic and played 40 minutes last night. You know, what do you do? Like, I remember uh, before this game, even people around here at work were like, whoa, what happened to the Kings against Vegas? And I'm like, guys, it was a one nothing game. It was a one-goal game. What do you want? This game also was a one-goal game. You know, what do you do? When Vegas got their goal, it was on the power play. It took a crazy bounce off the back for, for uh, was it Cooch who scored? For Cooch to get that goal in. You know, the, that puck doesn't bounce off the boards like that. That goal doesn't happen, right? What do you do? Right. Things like that happen with in Ledoux's hockey goal, all the though, time. Too. Ledoux's goal came yeah, off exactly. of uh, Derek England's off of Derek England's and deflected. There you go. Too, so, so there's a deflection, and if it Alex goes one inch one way or one inch the other way, it doesn't happen. It's not just hockey, it, right? Sometimes you, it's just playoff hockey. Sometimes That's I, how you win games with pretty cool. I, yeah, absolutely. I, I hate using the word puck luck, but it, that's, you know, having good luck or, or bad puck luck, but that's just the game. Sometimes you get a bounce, sometimes you don't. What do you do? I mean, it's totally legal to, to bounce the puck off the board and get it in. Those, bo- those boards are alive. you got to be careful about that. But you know what? Uh, props on Kucha taking advantage of that. The puck is there. He's going to put it in. But then, uh, you know, the penalty that was called on Kyle Clifford that led to that uh, power play was due to goalie interference, but he also took a cross-check to the face, I think, by uh, Merrill. And, you know, it's, it's just crazy. It's playoff hockey. The intensity goes up by a 1,000, and these new guys are just going to have to get used to that. And they're in a heavyweight title fight here in the first round of the playoffs. So that's not easy, and Vegas is not an easy team to go against. But it's still a series. I mean, the Kings are going back home. They're getting Drew Doughty back now with a chip on his shoulder. Jonathan Quick has been lights out. The Kings now have to go in desperation mode because they're down two games. Uh, and the guys that are on the team that are experienced have championship experience, have hardcore, like they went to wars on that ice. They went to war like against San Jose. They went to war against Chicago many times, and they do have that experience. And the ones that do have that are going to bring it out there, and they're going to do what they're going to need to do. So right now, uh, you know what, I'm not even worried if if Vegas goes up three nothing, then obviously, you know, I doubt the Kings are going to be able to do that twice in my lifetime because there's only like what four teams that have been four hockey teams that have been able to do that, and the first one was in the 40s, and I only saw two in my lifetime. Three, if you count baseball, between uh, the Red Sox Red and the Sox Yankees, Yankees, and if the Blue Jays, sure. yeah, and and if the Blue Jays aren't playing, I, I barely watch base, playoff baseball. So maybe it's happened more than that. I don't know. But you know what? The Kings are still in it. The, uh, hey, these kids, it's, it's a baptism by fire. And what, what a great way to gain experience and learn about playoff hockey than being in the heat of the battle against Vegas. Well, let me bring in Chris. Um, we need hey, to Chris. get Chris involved here. Chris, what's up, bud? How are we doing? Good. How are you, sir? 
We're doing good. So, uh, you know, Mark actually brought up the point of, you know, liking Vegas in the series last week because of their speed, and the Kings going to have a tough time handling it, and he's looking like Nostradamus so far with that. But um, my question is, putting that a little bit aside, Chitty, does do the Kings have enough offense to win this series? I mean, I know it's just two games, but, you know, one goal, and when you count up the minutes, you know, they've almost played uh, three minutes worth. 155. Uh, you know. Yeah, they and they have had one goal. Like you said, they've they've had a couple of glorious chances where they really missed open nets, which you just cannot do. But do they have enough offense to to win the series? Uh, the answer is yes. Um, have they had the offense so far? Well, no, but neither has Vegas. <laughs> Vegas hasn't like they they have the offense, but they haven't been putting the puck in the net either. I mean, just one more than the Kings well, have per game. Well, what, right. What the, the 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 one thing I would argue with that is is Johnson. Like Flurry throwing the ball has played very well, but John is oh, yeah. quick has played uh, ridiculous. So Vegas could say, "Hey, look, we're we gotta just keep keep uh, keep uh, throwing pucks on the guy. We're we're putting so." much pressure sooner or later he's he's bound to to get back to a human status whereas flurry while playing well and playing doing what he has to do and he's a top goalie too but he is not seeing the action or the chances that that quick is that's quick right that's that's how quick right. plays usually in the playoffs uh, it's just like I was saying, um, Dustin Brown had a great chance to tie the first game of the series, but, you know, he missed an empty net. Uh, Kopitar had a great chance yesterday, right in the slot, along with Fleury. Fleury had a position, couldn't put it in the net. Do they have the offense? Potentially, yes, they do. Yes, they do. Andre Kopitar had a great offensive year this year. Same with Dustin Brown, who had a renaissance. Toffoli, he can score. Uh, Pearson knows how to score. Jeff Carter can score. Now, they're not scoring right now and props to Vegas for, you know, shutting them down. What I would like to see, and this has always been a concern with me uh, throughout this entire season is of course the, the bottom six line lines. I like to see them get some goals too. Um, you know, you, you need Cal Clifford is not going to score a lot of goals for you. Uh, Toby reader though has speed and though he's not a bottom six, but he's been playing with Carter. Uh, but you're, you know, he's not getting, goals in there either i mean you're not seeing amadio scoring you're not seeing uh, nate thompson scoring but they are doing well in other factors of the game so like nate thompson for example on the face-off dot's been great uh but all it takes is like one bounce just to get in there and the course of the game can change if kopitar had scored that goal like how would the game have played out then if brown had scored in that first game how would it have played out so it's really more unfortunate that they weren't able to get the, like obviously uh, Vegas is the more offensive team. No one's going to argue that, right? Uh, but the Kings did have chances. It wasn't like they were getting shut down not, nonstop throughout the game. They were getting outshot, yes. They were top two lines are definitely being watched very closely, of course. You have to be. You have to do that against the opposing team. But really, the Kings have come so close to scoring that it's a seven-game series, all right? So at the very least, at the very least, the Kings have two more games where they can try to get back into the series, and I don't see how that would be impossible. Now, with the media picking... Uh, the Kings over Vegas, based on the Kings' past experience, you know, they probably didn't mention all the young guys that 
might have started as well. I mean, watching Hockey Night in Canada's broadcast last night, I love Hockey Night in Canada. I grew up with Hockey Night in Canada, even though the broadcast, the, the main commentator, Jeff Merrick, and he has me blocked on Twitter, but that's a totally different discussion. <laughs> so listen, listen, listening to his voice, you know, kind of irritates me already. But, off the air. Oh, man. I'll, t- I'll tell you one day. I'll tell air. you one day. And it was an innocent, <laughs> like you know, I-, I thought it was an innocent comment on my part. It was, it wasn't malicious, and it was in response to something he said. But it doesn't matter. That's a different story. But if like the Kings just get one of those in, it's a different story, right? And the thing is, well, Jonathan Quick, Jonathan Quick, Jonathan Quick. Yeah, but they do have Jonathan Quick. That's what Jonathan Quick does. Remember Quick against Vancouver 2012. You know, remember Quick uh, against Chicago in 2014, even though he let in some bad goals, he would make that one save the Kings needed to come back and win it. He keeps doing that, the Kings are going to have a chance, and eventually Kopitar is going to figure something out. Jeff Carter is going to figure something out, because that's what they do. These Kings are notorious slow starters. That is a, a known thing. Uh, why? I don't know. It drives Kings fans and people who cover the Kings absolutely bonkers trying to figure this stuff out. And again, you know, the Kings all this year are giving up the first goal like it's no big thing. And in the playoffs, you know, you can't be doing that. So the Kings are still in it. They just got to be opportunistic because opportunistic, they're doing the park and the bus thing where they're just playing defense and then they're looking to counterattack. And usually, you know, they're too slow to counterattack. So they got to dump the puck. And I've Eventually, Vegas gets tired, and the Kings start, you know, working their crash and bag cycle game. But uh, they just got to get that puck into the net. So I want to see the, the bottom two lines shoot more. I mean, I want to see uh, the point shoot more when they have every opportunity that they, they have offensively and whatever short amount of time, they have to take advantage and get that puck towards the net like Paul Ledoux did yesterday. And if the Kings can score two goals, is it a different game? Is it, does it become a different series? You know, the Kings have been down 0-3 against San Jose. The Kings went down 2-0 to St. Louis in 2013, and they played horribly. But they don't give up. Keep hitting, keep playing, keep shooting at the net when you have that opportunity. Eventually, the puck is going to go in. And if it doesn't, hey, kudos to Vegas. At least the Kings went toe-to-toe. But I still think the Kings are in it. So Mark mentioned before about the Drew Gowdy hit, and I want to get both you guys' opinion on this, both being diehard. King guys, clearly the NHL has sent a message to the to to the league to all the players that if you hit somebody in the head, uh, you odds are you more than odds are you're going to get suspended. Uh, what did you think of the Dowdy suspension, JD? Was it the right call? Uh, how do you feel the, the league is handling in terms of the hits that suspension? Well, if that pl- if that play happened five years ago, if that play happened 10 years ago, I mean, there's no suspension, right? Because if, if Dowdy went into a uh, carrier with his elbow up or his stick up to the guy's face, like that's the first point of contact, that's definitely a suspension. Uh, the fact that it was the first point of contact was shoulder to shoulder and then the uh, carrier had his head down and then, it, you know, that got hit in the head after the original point of contact, you know, back in the day, that, that would not have been a suspension. But with the way that the world is today about concussions, and it's not just hockey or the NHL, it's sports-wide, right? It could be football, even soccer. Uh, like, they're trying to protect their players now because they're finding out that players are getting concussed, at least mildly concussed, 
by hitting the ball with their heads, heading the ball, which is a huge part of that sport. And the balls are made very lightly, at least the balls of today. Back in the day, they were like basketballs full of water, you know, and they would hit that with their heads. So with everything that people know now about concussions and the ramifications and, and, you know, the consequences of having that, you know, they're trying to limit head contact to the game as much as they can. So when I first saw it, it happened so fast that I thought Dowdy elbowed him in the face because it happened so quick. When I saw the uh, the replay and I saw it was shoulder to shoulder, I'm like, oh, okay. Well, uh, maybe it might be something. It might be nothing. But with the NHL today, you know, they might at least look at it. And then when I saw that Dowdy was going to have a hearing with with uh, George Perils, former King and Ducks, uh, George Perils, after I heard the hearing was going to happen, I'm like, oh, man, that's going to be a suspension because the NHL is trying to – send a message and just say, hey, any contact to the head, any, it doesn't matter where the original point of contact is. It doesn't matter where the first intention is or if you're intending or not intending to hit the guy in the head. Uh, if there is contact to the head, we're going to call it. And that's exactly what they did. So I actually wasn't surprised at that. I'm an old school hockey fan. So, you know, a play like that doesn't look like, to me, like it should be a suspension. That's a personal view. And I'm a man who's had many concussions. I'm probably concussed right now, like no joke, you know, from the way when I play sports and all my years of martial arts and my years of boxing. Um, yeah, I've dealt with concussions. They suck. They absolutely suck. But, you know, when you see what happened in the Leafs-Boston game with uh, Condry, where he boarded the guy from behind when the guy was on his knees into the board, I'm like, yeah, that's a suspension, right. you know. I, I was you know, thinking five like games that, for like, that. I was thinking I thought it would be like something thought, higher as well. I thought five games, but then when I watched the replay, and we covered this earlier in the show, JD, but Wing- Wingles had just been boarded earlier, you know, four minutes yeah. earlier in the period yeah. uh, by Kadri, and then came out, and I think he was salty on his next shift about his hit. And uh, right before that play, uh, Mitch Marner is engaged with Chara along those boards. And Wingles came up with a and you know elevated, extended his elbow and really caught Marner clean with an elbow in the head. And I'm sure the way that Caudry was chasing the play, um, that he saw that elbow come up and was was lining Wingles up to do him again, no question. And in the scrum with six feet and body three bodies all tangled up, Wingles was on his way down and. Cadre was on his way up, and it, the first optic was was horrible. I mean, that's like you want to go miss yeah. martial arts. If someone's on their knees and you and you roundhouse kick them in the head, that's a terrible optic. <laughs> that's or you knee them in the it. face. That's that that can't do it. Yep. Uh, but I, do it. after watching it a couple times, I I see where Cadre was coming up. If, if if Marner or Matthews takes an elbow to the head, that's his role on the team to to come in and defend his te- defend those guys. So. Um, I'm a little old school. Yeah, in defend that. the guys, uh, yes. Defend the guys, uh, uh, yes. But now, now he's gone for three playoff games. So how is he going to yeah. defend the guys while he's dressed up, you know, in the stands? No, for you sure. know, so that's the for way I look sure. at it too. Like, there's other ways. Yeah. There's other ways to 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 uh, defend your teammates. But no, I get what you're saying, and I'm old school in that sense as well. But the rule, like Rule 48, when it comes to you know suspension stuff like that, or hits to the head. You know, it, it's print, It's worded very vaguely. So 
there's nothing in there about the first point of contact. So legally, yeah, George Perils has the right to suspend Doughty for a game or whatever he wants to suspend it for. It, it turned out to be a game because there was contact to the head. It's not phrased in a way that it matters where the original intent or no. the point of contact started, right? So by those, it's like my work. In my work, there's a, a rule book that's, you know, that's in play that says it's under the discretion of the supervisor. What does that mean? That can mean anything. You, you can, uh, you, you know what I mean? Like you can interpret it yeah. whatever way you want if you're a, if you're a supervisor. And the NHL, George Perils and, and company, they can interpret it whatever the way they want because it doesn't say, you know, unless the original point of contact is the shoulder or the chest, right? It doesn't say that. It just says if there's head contact, well, you know, can't do, point of can't contact, do it. Meaning primary, right. meaning which part of the body absorbs the most portion of the impact. And a glancing blow off the shoulder when the head is clearly the target makes that the principal point of contact when the head absorbs most of the contact. But like you said, you can interpret that any way you want. Um, well, I, right. here, here's what I think about that hit. Um, Carrier had already blown up Dowdy twice previously in the game on, on legal hits uh, in their end. Um, we know Dowdy gets salty. We know Dowdy at times can lose control of his emotions. And I think he saw a chance to, to get even for the hits that he absorbed from Carrier and took his shot. Sure. Um, I, I don't know what Dowdy's intent is, whether he was trying for the head. Um, it, now, old school, old school hockey, if you're coming down the wing and you turn into the middle of the ice and it's in the playoffs, uh, buyer beware. You better get your freaking head up. So uh, Dowdy saw, saw a player coming in, turning into the middle of the ice with his, with his head down and took a shot. Um, yep. When they, when they scheduled the player safety meeting, uh, listening to the radio here in town, um, specifically Brian Blessing on the Vegas Hockey Hotline, 1400 AM, Monday through Friday, 1 to 2. Um, his point was this. If if Dowdy had hit Crosby in that fashion, would it have been a suspension? Absolutely. If Dowdy had hit Patrick Kane in that fashion, would it have been a suspension? Absolutely. If Carrier had hit Andre Kopitar in that fashion, would it have been a suspension? Absolutely. So at that point, you got to take the primaries out of it and just say, is the hit suspendable? And I think that's what the NHL did. And with the contact to the head, I th what I thought was going to happen, J.D., was they were going to get uh, – they were going to call Dowdy. They were going to slap him with the $5,000 fine max, and off you go. It's yeah. it, Historically, they don't suspend players in the playoffs unless you're Rafi Torres and, and you chop something. And Dowdy doesn't have a history of doing this as well. I mean, it's not like right. Dowdy is not, known as, not a, a, as a head hunter. Right. Yeah, so here's the thing. This is the way I see it. Dowdy's first point of contact was was his, the guy's arm. It was not the guy's head. Dowdy's elbow was not up towards the face. The guy had his head down. But the first contact was to his arm. It was not to the head. And then it went to the head. All right. But the rules do not take into account what the first point of contact is. So really, it's hard to say what Dowdy's intent was or wasn't unless Dowdy had his elbow up Gordy Howe style and, you know, jumped and went to hit him in the face. And yeah, then it's pretty obvious what Dowdy's intent was. It was to hurt. Right. It was to injure a player. Can't do that. So I don't see it. On you know, the player. way I looked at it. 
I don't see it on that play either. So what I see is Dowdy was, you know, yeah, he was getting salty because he didn't like the checks that he was getting. He was just going to check the guy, ended up hitting him in the head after, the, you know, the first point of contact, but the rules are the rules. And perils of them can interpret it whatever they, they want because the first point of contact does, is irrelevant, right? So in the end, uh, the suspension is totally legal by the NHL. What can you do? Hey, Did I say legal? I agree with you. It is legal. I agree. I got one more for JD, and then uh, I'm going to hand you off to to Mark there. We're getting near the end of the show, uh, but I want to get your quick thought uh, on the other Pacific series. As you know, the Sharks and Ducks very well. To me, Sharks played a great game one road game. Martin Jones is building his resume as he's one of the top goalies in, in, in the league, in my opinion. Uh, even more good news that Joe Thornton did the warm-up, uh, didn't play, but it seems like he is getting very close, at least it seems, uh, to returning to the lineup. Uh, how? What are your thoughts about that series? And I know it's just I don't, one game, so I don't want to go too crazy, but uh, right, you had right. to like what you. But you had to like all the all the tea leaves in terms of the Sharks so far. Uh, well, I would have preferred if both teams knocked each other out, but since that's not legal in the NHL, you can't do that. Um, yeah, I just thought the Sharks played a complete game. I mean, Martin Jones getting the shutout, he was fantastic. Um, you know, I've seen him play many, many, many great games in the net, whether as a king or as a shark. Um, an underrated goaltender for sure. Those that watch him regularly, like us, you know, we know what he can provide. Others, maybe in the East, who don't see him as often, have no clue uh, how good this kid really is. Uh, so you got you got him doing that. But the Sharks played a great 16-minute game anyways. I mean, they were winning the face-offs. They had more shots. They, uh, they didn't get out-hit, but they did have more blocked shots. The Ducks were more penalized. So, you know, they did what they had to do. Uh, to win against the Ducks, and the Ducks really couldn't find an answer to get in there and get the puck into the net because the Sharks were playing fantastically, playing good defense, and playing very well offensively as well. With that said, that was only game one, and game two is until later tonight. So, you know, there's still a lot of hockey to be played in that series. Uh, that, you know, the Ducks, the Ducks are the Ducks. They're still going to be in it. But if the Sharks can hold them off, I think that's actually going to be an upset. Because I always felt that the Ducks were, and, I, you know, again, you guys know how much I hate the Ducks and how much I hate the Sharks because I'm a Kings fan, all right, because I'm a Kings fan. But to be fair, to be fair, I always thought Anaheim underachieved the season because of all the injuries that they had. Uh, they did end up at the end of the season in second place to get home ice yeah. advantage, but the Sharks were, Sharks were there for most of the second half of the season because it was the Kings that were there for most of the first half. Uh, the Sharks kind of put their pedal you know, off the metal near the second half of the season, which allowed the Ducks to kind of overtake them. But the Sharks are still a good team. And the Ducks are still a good team where, you know, they're going to rebound from this game and, you know, look at their mistakes and see what they can do differently so they can get to the Sharks and, uh, you know, and put the game back to their advantage. But, no, I thought the Sharks just played a really good game. Overall, Jones was one part of it. But, uh, yeah, they were just getting to the net, getting the shots to the net. They were winning in the faceoff dot. Um, they were, you know, they were creating turnovers when they had to, blocking shots when they had to. The, the only real thing that the Ducks had over them were hits, where I think it was doubled. But uh, besides that, the Sharks were doing what they had to do, and they were just playing really smart hockey. But unfortunately, <laughs> the Ducks aren't out of it yet. Real quick, uh, can I just say to both of you that Peter DeBoer is probably one of the most underrated coaches in the league? 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Again, uh, Peter DeBoer, uh, former Kitchener Rangers coach of the Ontario Hockey League, League, who led them to the 2003 Memorial Cup, which I got to watch because I'm a Kitchener Rangers fan. Kitchener is like our next-door neighbor, the closest OHL team that we have here. And on that team, of course, were guys like Mike Richards and uh, David Clarkson. Uh, Mike Richards, of course, won the Cups with the Kings. Clarkson and DeBoer were on that New, New Jersey team that went to the finals in 2012. Uh, DeBoer led the Sharks in 2016 Stanley Cup final. Yeah, again, speaking of people who are underrated, without a doubt, Peter DeBoer. He's a fantastic coach, and he comes up with fantastic strategies. And if his teams execute it, they're dangerous, you know. And I also want to mention the Evander Kane factor, that Evander Kane, uh, I kind of forgot that Evander Kane has never played a playoff game until I watched this game. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. I mean, he's been around already for years, right? But with Winnipeg, they never made the playoffs while he, while he was there. And in Buffalo, I don't think they even know what the playoffs are or what that means because he, he never made it with Buffalo either. So that was his first career playoff game, and he gets two big goals, right? So that's got to be huge for him as well. So, you know, that's a huge factor there, too. I wish Kevin Gravel scored two goals in his first, you know, NHL career playoff game. But what can you do? So, yeah, the Sharks look good, but the Ducks, they're not out of it. But Peter DeBoer, yeah, thumbs up, man. He's always been a great coach. I agree with everything you just said there, J.D. Um, I wanted to... uh... I wanted to go over a couple things with you. The the game last night in, in 95 minutes of, of hockey. J, it, it, Chris asked the question earlier if the Kings have enough offense to stay in this series. And I want to I want to approach the same question but from a different kind of a different angle. Um and and by by saying that I don't mean that offenses as putting pucks in the net. I mean scoring chances, shots, offensive possession okay. time. You have you have 95 minutes of hockey, all right? You've got Kempe, one shot. You've got Reeder, two shots. Andre Kopitar, three shots. Jeff Carter, two shots. Tyler Toffoli, three shots. And when you go down the shot totals by period, this is, and I want to I want to ask two questions on this. Kings have five shots in the first, seven in the second, third, eight in the third. We're fifteen and a half minutes into the second overtime. They have three shots on goal. What it put on your coach's hat for me, and tell me how Kopitar and Carter and Pearson and Toffoli. Brownie had six shots, so kudos to Brownie. You know, you know, I'm hugely stoked that he added the season that he had and he him and Pearson probably the best players besides quick last night what can the Kings do to generate more shots and chances and offensive possession time and basically keep the puck away from the Golden Knights and get the puck and, and possess the puck like we're used to seeing because and with and then part two of the question are you surprised by how almost a reversal of, of fortunes as far as the defense, the the physical nature. Are you surprised by how many hits and how physical VGK is playing and responding uh, to the Kings' physical play? And if you're the coach, what can you do to get – because the, the decided advantage before the series, Kopitar Carter down the middle, 
uh, i.e. greater Carlson and Hollow, right? I mean, that that's the, you know, generic wisdom um, is the Kings. One of their advantages was center ice. How can you turn that into an advantage? Because right now they're being disadvantaged by the Knights offensive possession time and physical nature. Right. Well, the Kings aren't the, uh, the possession team that they were in years past. So you're not going to like out possession the puck against Vegas, uh, this, despite your best efforts. Um, Vegas is coming out hitting. Kings are coming out hitting. It, it's going to be a hard-hitting series. What can you do there? Kings, of course, one, it, and it's going to be tough because of the way Vegas presses. I mean, they're, they're going to create turnovers. So that's, it's, hard, you know, it's hard to prevent that, but that's actually the strategy of the other team put that on you. So it, that's going to happen. What the Kings need to do, though, is the sloppy play that some Kings players have. And for one example, when Jonathan Quick has the puck, <laughs> right? And you know how much mm, I love that's Jonathan scary Quick. By Jonathan, itself. Jonathan Quick, <laughs> it's like I, every, every muscle in my body tightens up because you don't know where that puck is going to go. And normally it goes on the stick of the opponent's. You know, one of the opponent's sticks. He's not very good at that. And how many times Almost last night? I, Alec, yeah. Yeah, in fact, and he had to come up with a big save, right? Alec Martinez as well, who is, you know, when you don't have Drew Doughty and you don't have Jake Muzzin, right? And Fanoff is, 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 you know, he's new to the team. The only guy you can look at for leadership on that blue line is now next in line is Alec Martinez because he's been playing with the Kings as long as he's been playing. He's been a big player. But now they're looking at him. And there was one play where the puck went behind the net, quick went to get it, which I'm holding my breath, obviously. Uh, but he gets it to Martinez, but the, the Knights player is right on him. And Mar- Martinez decides to clear the zone by putting the puck between his own legs up center ice. <laughs> well, I, I am oh, no professional goodness. NHL player. I have never been anywhere oh, close that I can play hockey. Per- or, or, you know, but... but uh. You know, I've never That's scored uh, the Stanley Cup winning goal, right? I've never scored the Stanley Cup winning goal. Uh, so I haven't done anything that, that uh, Alec Martinez has done. But I remember when I was a kid playing hockey, one of the first things our coach thought is playing defense, and that's where I played, I was a defenseman, is you clear the puck by shooting it hard off the boards, right? Not up the middle. If you're going to go up the middle, you got to put it up in the air where they can't reach it, and it lands on center ice, which the Kings had to do a couple of times yesterday. Uh, but you, you bank it off the boards hard. And I always say it, that it's so Kings. That there's three things I always find myself saying out loud to the television as if the Kings can hear me, but I'm pretty sure I do it so the hockey gods can hear me, is number one, it wouldn't be the Kings if they could clear their zone. <laughs> All right? There's always drama happening, and it doesn't matter if it's Vegas. It, does, it, could, be, it could be the Carolina Hurricanes. It could, be, it could be the Blackhawks. It could be the Edmonton Oilers. It doesn't matter who they're playing. The Kings seem to not be very good at clearing their own zone uh, by banking the puck off the sides. They do like to put it up the middle, which drives me completely uh, insane because those are offensive opportunities for the Golden Knights, what happened yesterday. So they got to cut th- that crap out. They got to be more um, disciplined when it comes to clearing your zone. If you have the opportunity, and like you said, um, you know, there's a big offensive advantage that Vegas has. I don't think there's much you can do except park the bus and try to take advantage of what little offensive opportunities that you have uh, to keep yourselves in this game. So they, they, they simply have to score. Like Dustin Brown has six shots. One of them has to go in. Like they're at the point where they have no choice, but they have to score. I mean, how many times did Andre Kopitar have the puck? 
I'm not even talking about the time he missed the net, but has the puck and he's in the slot, but he decides to pass it instead of shoot. You know, sometimes, Kopi, you got to shoot that. I know he's a, he's a pass-first type player, but you got you got to shoot it. How many times do the Kings have the puck on, you know, at the point, but, you know, they're being heavily covered, fair enough. But another thing I learned when I was a kid was, hey, just shoot it at the net. If you have nowhere to go, just shoot it at the net. It just takes a deflection, a bounce. Maybe the goalie's being screened. Dustin Brown now parks himself in front of, the, you know, the opposing goalie. So does Tanner Pearson, which also helped in Ledoux's goal, right? He was screening Fleury. You've got to make sure you do that. Throw it. How many times did the Kings not do that? They try to go for that pass, and it's intercepted by Vegas. They've got to really – they got to cut that stuff down and be more disciplined when it comes to stuff like that. And easier said than done, they got to be more opportunistic when they do get whatever little offensive opportunity, especially when Flurry is out of position to get in there, you know. But just keep shooting that puck to the net and defend, defend, defend. Because really, what else can you do? They're not going to outpossess the puck with Vegas. That's not. We don't have Justin Williams anymore. You know, we don't have those guys right. anymore Here's who are great still. with puck possession. <laughs> Jared Stoll, you know, we have Jared Stoll, but he's retired and he has a suit on. He can't be playing out there anymore. So what can you do? It's just park and ride, and you got to get the puck into the net when you have those opportunities. And I would like to see, you know, more shots at the net by Carter, by definitely by Kopitar, who's had opportunities to shoot at the net but doesn't do it. And I want more shots from the point, which Don Cherry also pointed out, that why are the Kings – you watch Vegas, look at their defensemen, they're shooting. You know, there's opportunities where they're passing as well, but they're getting that puck out to the net, right? Quick has to make these crazy saves because that puck's getting deflected left, right, and center or getting blocked by the guys in front of them. The Kings need to do that as well when they do have that momentum, which sometimes they do get in the game. Let's not leave that out. But they're not playing intelligently with it by getting that puck to the net. They still want to go for a yet another pass, cut that out, get that puck out there, and then hope for the best. Pearson's in front of the net, Brown's in front of the net. You know they're going to be there. Give them a chance to bank in a rebound or deflect a puck in. It's the, the best shot that they have. All right, J.D., well, we got to let you go, buddy. Try and get some rest. I know, I know you're uh, running on fumes, Never. sir, after after Never. Like, it's playoff game. hockey. No rest All for right, the wicked. Buddy. All right, buddy. Well, we'll talk right. to you soon. Uh, so, make sure you JD, guys all you can... fo- follow I did Jeff. I the Kings in six, JD. So have hope. Yeah. So did I. So, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. But no, Mark, Chris, always a pleasure to be on the show. Thanks again for uh, for bringing me on. It's always a pleasure talking hockey with you guys. This is actually the official first podcast I have ever done. As you know, when the Kings are in the playoffs, right? So you get a little bit of, you know, the Jeff Duarte that has to work for Kelly Sports News and Ella Kings Road Talk Radio and, you know, try to be some type of journalist. And then you get the hardcore diehard Ellie Kings fan since he was nine years old who goes berserk during the playoffs. So who knows what you're going to get, but always a pleasure coming on, guys. And just, I just want to say you guys can find me on Twitter at JD Styles underscore, not at Jeff Duarte underscore. Oh, duh. I know that. <laughs> <laughs> you never get it right. It's okay. It's tradition. No, I don't. Just, yeah, just throw it in anytime, Jeff, uh, for <laughs> sure. Just just uh, get it out there the best you can. Also, you can find his stuff and, and a lot of other good content over at CaliSportsNews.com where, where he's the NHL editor. And after Kings games, make sure you tune into the, and I'm going to let you say it, the name of your podcaster. Yeah, L.A. Kings Road Talk Radio on Block Talk Radio.
All right, sir. Well, we'll we'll talk to you down the road, and we'll be we'll be thinking of you during Game Three Sunday night. All right. Thanks, guys. Take care. Thanks, Jeff. All right. Well, that's the in, in, indefatigable Jeff Duart from yeah. Cali Sports News. Um, always high energy, always always uh, ready to go with a ton of great content. So go over to Cali Sports News and check out all their all their uh, NHL hockey content because it all passes through Jeff's desk. So, uh, Chris, you want yeah, to look at any of the other playoffs? Go ahead. Go ahead. I believe you can find them on Twitter. I, I think it's at Cali C A L I Sports News is their Twitter there handle. Very good. A lot of good stuff. Yeah, I mean, real Very quick. Good. I mean, it's just everyone else is kind of holding serve. I mean, uh, Colorado looks like it was you know pushing uh, Nashville a bit in terms of uh, it looked like we had a tough game yep. and then Nashville exploded in the third period. Uh, you know, it looks like. The Devils is a very is a much more favorable matchup for Tampa than Toronto would have been. Um, I agree. And you know Toronto needs to bounce uh, bounce back in uh, Game uh, Two against Boston. So um, a lot of people probably thought that that was a pick'em series. Uh, if, if if Toronto doesn't win Game Two, uh, it's hard for me to see them winning that series. I, I and Winnipeg, well. you know, it's funny Winnipeg Winnipeg's up two games to none. And the bad news for the Wild is they're getting them to play that they want them to play, and they still can't. Yeah, no, uh, very game uh, Minnesota team in game one um, ha- had them tied late. The bad penalty um, comes back to bite yeah. them. Winnipeg gets the game under three two, but that was a real good hockey game. That was that was one of the series yeah, it was. Um, that we talked about as being, you know, a good physical good matchup to watch and, and Hellbuck being the question mark as far as experience, but so far he's held that net down just as well as he did in the regular season. Um, last but night, a while, little, have, little easier, a little easier time. Yeah, but if you, yeah, we have, but it was one, nothing. Wasn't a one, nothing after two, but if you're the wild, you have to be happy with how the, you know, the style of the games that are played, if you will, you were, uh, and, but they still can't beat them, you know. So, because they know, you know, you can't. You, you got to keep things in control playing against that that talented young uh, Winnipeg team. In terms of, uh, you know, can't give them too much open ice. But um, yeah, they're up two zero. So Winnipeg could just get one game in Minnesota. You got to like, got to like their uh, like them to make that a short series. I would think. Yeah, for sure, for sure. We're about to have some hockey on right now. Predators, Avalanche, and Devils, Lightning, if you're on the East Coast. Um, so, ooh, I'm, I guess I'm going to go watch a hockey game. <laughs> there you go. If that's all we got for this, there you go. Chris. Yeah, yeah, well, we'll talk about some guests for next week. And um, uh, I don't want to make any announcements yet, but I believe uh, we, I mean, I, we have our guests for our annual month show. Which, yeah. Uh, I think, yeah, I think uh, it's like 99. I mean, they're the they're both locked in, so uh, I just don't want to, you know, because we got a little ways. Yeah, I, I, one new one, one old one, that's all I'll say. Uh, the, I think it's our highest rated show every year, which is interesting. Is the mock draft? I, I believe it's a high. yeah, I think it is. Yeah. I think it is a highest sure. rated, uh, rated show. I think the way we do it is fun, and, uh, and everyone loves the draft, you know, so... Uh, 
uh, kind of thing. So uh, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, that's we'll, always uh, fun. Always a, a good time. Yeah. I like my role as Gary yeah, Button. I, have, I might have to get some uh, canned booze to pipe in when I announce our picture. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Uh, but I, I like the I, moderator I think, role. It's, I, that's it's a good fun. idea. <laughs> we have a trade. <laughs> I like we have a trade. Although it's funny. Yeah. When the, when, he was here and and he he came out to do a little talk at the podium. Uh, there was a little bit of applause in the press room. I don't know if you saw the little clip of it. And, and he kind of paused for a second. And he's like, "Oh, that's something new." <laughs> <laughs> that's it's, sure. it's pretty funny. Well, all right. We'll work on next week. We'll be here at the same bat time, same bat channel. We'll be talking playoff hockey, of course. Um, by then, uh, we might even have one or two of these series in the can. We'll be able to dive back and and possibly look at some of the second-round matchups as well. Uh, make sure you guys follow Chris on Twitter as well, at VNLKing. Um, he, he still has all his Isles content over at ionisles.com. Uh, that's the fan-sided. Is that, that's correct, Chris? It's the fan-sided account yes. for the New York New York. Okay, so I understand. Yeah, and I have a new article that just posted a couple hours ago. There you go. Make sure you go and check out Chris's new article over at IonIsles.com. And so that's going to do it for this week. Jeff is a little more optimistic than uh, than I thought he would be, sir. I thought I think the night. Who? The the scoreboard doesn't reflect it, but well, it's tough for the Kings. Tough, tough for the Kings, but uh, we'll see. Yeah, going but back to LA. Can, but if they can win, if, if they can win Game Three, then it's the only down two one with Game Four. Uh, you know, this 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 could still you know this series could be over in four, but we can go seven still. I, game Three is uh, obviously it's a throw. Although we've seen the Kings come back from three zero before, I wouldn't want to push that envelope again, but. No, that almost killed me. By the way, sir, that's not. That's <laughs> not guilty. They do that in the Chicago series when they were in this game seven. Uh, that was that was two very bad moments for me. So let's let's not do that again. But uh, I, I I gotta say right now I like the Golden Knights' chances. Man, they are quicker to the puck. Sure. They're winning the loose puck battles. The the Kings can't dump it in and repossess it. Uh, they dump it in. Flurry's better behind the net as as JD alluded to that's one of the weaknesses in Quick's game is is stick handling the puck and that's one of Mark Andre Fleury's strengths and when they the Kings dump it in uh Fleury's stopping it almost every time the quickness on defense is picking the puck up and the Kings just can't get in on that forecheck um which which sets up basically everything the Kings do so um the Kings fan in me is worried about it um you, they got to go up on the X's and O's and figure out a different way to maintain puck possession because the Knights and, and the thing that I'm hearing too, Chris, is that, Oh, this physical series is going to grind down the Knights and well, the, the Knights are dishing it out just as much as they're taking it. Um, they're rolling their four lines all the way through. And, and the longer the game gets, the shorter John Stevens bench is getting. And it's, it's looking like it's going to wear down the Kings. Cause when they got in that second overtime last night, generating three shots in a double overtime, uh, 15 and a half minutes of the second overtime. That's just discouraging. Uh, they they got to do better at, at at coming up with a way to possess the puck and create offensive zone time because that forecheck of theirs sets up everything they do. And if they can't establish that, I, I still like the Golden Knights' chances in the series, sir. 
have to agree with you. I, I, I thought I picked the Kings in six, but I thought part of that thinking was they'd get one in Vegas, which obviously they did not. Not yet, anyway. We'll see. All right. Well, that's going to wrap it up for this week on the Vegas Hockey Podcast. For Chris, Lisa, I'm Mark Warner, and we're gone. <laughs>